The Diplomat was a series that I knew nothing about because there was very little hype around it. It kind of popped up on my Netflix feed as one of those recommended things. And I clicked on it because it had two of my favorite actors. It had Rufus Sewell and Kerry Russell, who we do not see enough of on screen, I don't think. Boy, was I pleasantly surprised when the first episode had me absolutely hooked. It starts off in this kind of Tom Clancy-esque fashion. There is an attack on a British ship, and then we're introduced to Kay Russell and Rufus Sewell, and we're kind of told that she is heading off to the Middle East to be an ambassador. Her husband, we know, is an ex-ambassador. And there's a weird, awkward dynamic between them. It feels like, yes, they're married and they're a couple, but there is a tension there. Suddenly, she's summoned to the White House and she's told, listen, there was this attack on a British vessel and we're sending you to England as the new American ambassador. That's where the story kicks off. And then you have these wonderful eight episodes which are full of familial marital drama and political intrigue and it's like the west wing meets a soap opera meets tom clancy all rolled into one and god this is one of the most binge-worthy things i have seen on netflix in years years not only is it the most bingeable TV show in a while, it is the most premium Netflix show I've seen in a very long time. The most premium Netflix TV show that isn't fantasy, that isn't this big ticket item. It was so quiet. You know what it feels like? It feels like Jack Ryan. It feels like Amazon Prime's Jack Ryan. It's got all of the right elements of what I love about those shows. First things first, I love the fact that there is no... There's some drama, but it isn't scandalous. Nobody's cheating on anybody. Nobody has got a secret mistress or a secret child somewhere. Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell don't have a bitchy millennial daughter that they need to sort of manage. There's none of that tween shit. This is purely adult TV show. It's got great writing. It's got enough drama for it to be a good B plot, B storyline without detracting too much from the main A story, which is this big attack on this British ship at the beginning of the show. I guess it's classified as a political thriller, but it is a lot more than that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the pedigree behind the show. And it was only after I started watching the show did I do some research on the people behind it. And of course, all of these names started popping up and it became incredibly clear why I love this show as much as I do. Because it's created and co-written by Deborah Khan. Now, Deborah Khan, if you don't know kind of was responsible for some of the best episodes of The West Wing after Aaron Sorkin left. Now, the big thing about The West Wing is after season four, after Aaron Sorkin left the series, season five, six, and seven were good but not great. And there were a couple yeah. of standout episodes in those seasons. And you could always tell there was a mood, there was a tone to those episodes. And inevitably, when you looked at the writing behind those episodes, Deborah Khan's name would pop up. Mm, yeah. She was also responsible for Homeland. She also worked on Grey's Anatomy. She worked on Vinyl. And so the pedigree of her skill is incredibly apparent. 
And then you dig a little further and you're like, oh, wait, these episodes, a couple of episodes were directed by Alex Graves, who also did great episodes of The West Wing. And the first two episodes are by Simon Clellan Jones, who had done Jessica Jones and a whole bunch of great TV shows as well. And so it feels like very good talent got together to make this show happen. This feels like those early years of House of Cards. Yes. And I think that's what I loved most about it. Because yes, like you mentioned, Rahe, there was that political thriller, there's a little bit of soapy drama going on, but all of that seems to be rooted in fantastic characters. For me, yes, Carrie Russell's character is absolutely brilliantly written. It's unlike any other female lead you see on TV right now. She's strong, she's confident, she's a great ambassador, she's incredibly clever, but then she's playing side by side with Rufus Sewell as well, who plays Hal Weiler, her husband, who is this kind of cunning, conniving political operative. And what makes him very interesting is he's ambitious, but at the same time, he truly loves his wife. And so therefore, even his ambition is in service of hers. Yeah. She also has a level of insecurity, but only when it comes to her husband. That interplay is fantastic. She's not Robin Wright in House of Cards. Because Robin Wright in House of Cards is almost caricaturesque, right? But yes. Carrie Russell feels like a real person. What I love most about Rufus Sewell's character is that he's ambitious, yes, but I don't believe that he's trying to do things for himself. He's, no. he's ambitious in that he's trying to push the wife forward. It's because he knows he's burned the bridges. He's fucked the game. He's ruined it for himself. But he knows that the wife is so good that she can get to a spot where she doesn't believe she can be. And I think Rufus Sewell is doing his utter best as Hal Weiler to push the machinations, right? Like, he's an operative and I think he's trying to get his wife to understand that this is kind of like how you play the game. You don't have to be dirty, but you sometimes have to get the shoes a little bit wet, you know? And I love that interplay. There Again, I... I cannot stress this enough. This isn't fucking scandal. There is no scandal here. The characters are not hiding secrets from the press. There is no dirty laundry to be played here. It's just so confidently written, but also comfortably written. I think it also gives you some great insight into the inner machinations of how diplomacy works on that level. Yes, a lot of it is fictionalized, but at the same time, you can tell that this fiction has been ripped from reality. You know, if you've read any kind of political memoirs or biographies about presidents, prime ministers, diplomats, you will understand the level of backroom dealing that takes place, the kind of saving face measures that have to be done in order for global peace to be maintained. And I think this show does a lot of that very well and in a thriller-esque, intriguing manner. So you're never really yeah. bored in that sense. But the competency of the writing is what impresses me most because by the end of the first episode, you're introduced to this series of characters and you're immediately engrossed and you want to know more about these people, why they're doing what they're doing and what happens next. It knows 
how to deliver entertainment. And I think that's what's so great about it. And of course, it makes total sense when you look at Deborah Khan and Alex Grace and the people who are behind this and the kind of TV shows they've done in the past. There is a reason Grey's Anatomy is in its 20th season or whatever. I've lost track. There's a reason for that. It's because it provides fantastic entertainment week on week with characters that you want to follow. I think the problem with a lot of the shows that get launched these days is that they may have interesting plots. The characters leave a lot to be desired. So by the end of 10 or 15 minutes, I have absolutely no interest in these individuals on screen and their lives. A perfect example of that bad show is one we'll be reviewing soon called Citadel on Amazon Prime. Yeah. This avoids all of those problems. It doesn't rely on flashbacks full stop. It doesn't rely on sexy, sexy soap opera drama to keep you going. It's political machinations without getting too far into the weeds. At the end of the eight episode first season, there is a massive cliffhanger that happens. And don't worry, season two has been greenlit so you can absolutely get into this. But at the end of season one, that cliffhanger is absolutely earned in the previous eight episodes. I I, I use the word math, but it's not math. But there's a beautiful math that works out at the end. Like all of these steps that had been taken by the writers to get the characters to the end point that they did seems absolutely earned. There are no hanging threads. There are no, where did that come from? There's no out of left field story elements here. It's all absolutely earned in the previous eight episodes to get you to that final five minutes that annoyed the hell out of me because I now have to wait maybe two years for the next season. Well, it's not a pandemic anymore, so I'm hoping they get through this production a lot quicker. I'm sorry, my friend. I'm sorry, my friend. Write the strike. Ah, crap. I forgot about that. Yeah. This is a talky show. It's all about the talk. I mean, it's a show about diplomacy. And there are so many moments where it's just people sitting around a table and it's just two people face to face. Those conversations are so intense. Those conversations are so interesting. There's that one sequence towards the end of the season where Carrie Russell's ambassador has to go in and face up to the Russian ambassador. She thinks she's going to put up a fight. She thinks she's going to have to get her ears torn out by this Russian guy to just lecture the hell out of her. She comes in, she sits down. He starts his ramble. He's so angry. He's spitting blood and fire talking about the hubris of the Americans and the English and the Western while at the same time he slips her a note. And that scene just plays out. God, I'm just like, oh, priceless. I'm, I'm not a big reader of Clancy's books, but based on his films, they, Clancy's films at least, or film adaptations, tend to feel more action-packed. This feels more Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's an American version of something like Apple TV's Slow Horses, where there is spycraft, but it's layered over official diplomacy, official diplomat work with prime ministers and presidents. Clancy is a lot more technical, a lot more militaristic. His focus is in that direction. And so his books also play out a lot like potboilers, which isn't to say this isn't a potboiler. This is, right? Because there's something that's constantly happening. There are cliffhangers that are constantly happening. And it plays out in that soapy manner as well. But the content of that soap is different. So if you read a Clancy book, you will come away with quite a lot of knowledge about those things. This one is 
on the machinations of diplomacy. There's a speech that Hal Weiler, played by Rufus Sewell, gives in the second last episode at a kind of little conference, right? At, at Chatham House, which is very famous. Chatham House, yeah. Ugh. And Ugh. Ugh. it's such a fantastic few minutes on the importance of diplomacy and how it works. But what's what I loved yeah. about that moment was how it came in episode seven. Because you've seen all of this stuff and the speech addresses your frustrations as a viewer, yes. as a member of an audience yeah. for everything yeah. that has happened in the show so far. And it's so clever, the placement of that speech. And after that, you're like, oh, yeah. I get it. I understand. That's how the world works. That's why, that's why we're watching all of this stuff, right? And also... I think it's the first time in a very long time that when people go, hey, uh, I've run out of things to watch. Uh, can you recommend something? Honestly, at the top of my head, the first thing that comes out is, hey, have you seen The Diplomat on Netflix? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's been a yes. long time since I've said, have you seen X on Netflix? So what is somewhat frustrating is I've had that conversation with people and they go like, oh yeah, I saw it. Good. Ah. Because they've been burned so many times by Netflix. Correct. And all the other sort of big, literal banner kind of Netflix shows that whenever Netflix launches a new thing, and definitely when they launch it quietly, people have reservations. And I did as well, because I watched this very late. I think we both watched this very late. It launched on April 20th. So by Raya the time Wika. we got onto it, Raya Week, yeah, we got onto it after that. So it was fairly late for us at least. And and I think this this feels like an accident for Netflix. This feels like they stumbled onto a gem that they didn't know they had. And now hopefully they don't screw up season two. Actually, before we wrap, just a very quick shout out. I absolutely love David Gyasi, who plays the foreign secretary. He is a fantastic character. But beyond being a fantastic character, the British foreign secretary. So kind of like the counterpart that Carrie Russell's character has to deal with on a daily basis. And it's not just he's a fantastic character, but the actor is so slick, suave. He plays this fantastic British politician and everything that entails and everything you imagine a gentlemanly British politician to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if real people like that exist, but in my head... Based on all the things that I've read, this is how I imagine a gentlemanly statesman to be. Also, it feels like, it for me, it feels more like this is what older, not as in age, but older as in time, older statesmen used to be. This is what I romanticize the great statesmen of the 80s and the 70s or in the early 90s were like. They are upper crust polished, but at the same time have... A direction for right. I want to shout out to the actress that plays his sister, Tania Miller. Oh, she's so good. There is something about her that is both posh and she's not sensual. She is sexy. There's, yes. and I'm not talking about, she's not walking around on screen in a bikini right here, right? She's just dripping with sex and it, I just love her every time she comes on screen. I love the fact that she's slightly funner in this one than when she was in the peripheral i couldn't take my i couldn't take my eyes off her every time she shows up in the peripheral but and here when she's this sexy oh 
just great to watch. As for Deborah Khan as well, I mean, if you're a fan of The West Wing, then you will know, you will immediately know the shows that she has written, the episodes that she has written. College Kids, which is a crucial episode of The West Wing. Uh, Private Tears is another crucial episode. The Supremes, in which they have to pick a Supreme Court justice. But my favorite one yeah. is Drought Conditions. And that is the episode in which Josh and Toby actually come to blows. And there's a great use of the Dave Brubeck band's Take 5. I've seen that episode so many times. But there is a <laughs> craft to her writing and a style. And it's, it's, it's quite rare, I feel, in television, especially when they used to have 22 and 26 episode seasons, that you could tell that it was written by a specific person and Deborah Khan always stood out. So, yeah, I mean, I love her and I love her work and The Diplomat is something you absolutely must watch on Netflix. Check it out. Let us know what you think. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. If you drop us a line on any one of those platforms, we will send you a link to join our brand new Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.